This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. This is not what any parent wants to hear. A middle school vice principal facing child porn charges tonight. Police say thousands of images and videos were found on computers and cell phones seized from the home of the accused. Sarah McDonald is live in Abbotsford where Michael Hare was a vice principal at W.A. Fraser Middle School. What have you learned today, Sarah? Well, and Sophie Hare just walked out of court here in Abbotsford about an hour ago. He had nothing to say to us as he did. He appeared in court here this afternoon, clean cut and expressionless. He looked around the gallery for supporters, none of whom appeared to be here today in Abbotsford as Michael Hare appeared on these charges that are sending shockwaves through the city of Abbotsford. For years, he was entrusted with the well-being of tens of thousands of students across the Abbotsford School District. Now Michael Hare stands accused of exploiting vulnerable minors online. Michael Hare is currently charged with making available child pornography and possession of child pornography. A bombshell announcement from police Friday, months in the making. The culmination of an extensive investigation into the former vice principal of William A. Fraser Middle School. A search warrant allegedly finding disturbing content. Earlier in July, the Abbotsford Police Department received information that a citizen in Abbotsford was uh, gaining access to child exploitation type material. Thousands of photographs and videos depicting child pornography and abuse allegedly discovered on the 38-year-old's personal devices. Yeah, well, it's disgusting, right? Yeah, teaching kids. That's why officials are also concerned there could be more alleged victims. Hare had been employed with the Abbotsford School District for 12 years in his role as vice principal for three before being suspended. The school district announcing he is no longer an employee of theirs. An online biography shows Hare spent 10 years teaching at Claiborne Middle School, also in Abbotsford, where Hare has been released on a string of strict bail conditions. All right, Sarah, today was the first court appearance for Mr. Hare, but the investigation, it sounds like, is not over yet. Well, Sophie, in fact, investigators say this is just the beginning. That is why they are asking any concerned parents to get in touch with them. Now, in the meantime, Hare has been released on those strict bail conditions, which include not owning any sort of device that can access the Internet, like a cell phone, or not frequenting any areas where minors are known to be, like a community center or a playground. Now, in the meantime, the Abbotsford School District is maintaining tonight that Hare was released as an employee in September as soon as they were made aware of these allegations. Sophie. Sarah McDonald in Abbotsford. Sarah, thank you. A scary wake-up call for residents of a North Vancouver apartment building. Fire crews were dispatched to 505 Lonsdale around 2 o'clock this morning when fire broke out on the seventh floor of an eight-story building. All 20 units were evacuated. Thankfully, crews were able to knock down the fire quickly, in part because it's a concrete structure. I started st stepping on water, and I thought it was something like my dishwasher had let go or whatever. I frantically shut my water off in my suite, and then I seen water coming out of the cupboards, so I knew there was uh, something more serious than that. When we saw the flames coming up over the edge of our balcony, 
We recognized we had to get out right away. Two people were taken to hospital with minor burns and later released. The cause of the fire is under investigation, but at this point does not appear suspicious. The B.C. Utilities Commission approving ICBC's basic insurance rate hike application today. And a little-known piece of that financial overhaul is drawing criticism tonight. If you occasionally let a friend or family member drive your car, you will have to pay a new fee or risk a large penalty if they happen to crash. Catherine Urquhart has more on the cost and why critics say it amounts to a cash grab. Do you ever let a friend drive your car? If so, ICBC is urging you to buy unlisted driver protection when it's offered next year. The cost? $50. I think it's kind of uh, punitive, actually. It's, it's, uh, uh, looks like a money grab to me, and uh, it's almost like the government's starting a protection racket. ICBC's new basic insurance rate design application is now approved by the BC Utilities Commission. The corporation says the new system will be more fair. If we look at the number of crashes caused by people who are borrowing someone else's car, that's like one in five. So 20% of crashes are going, uh, are caused by someone who is not the, the registered owner. The $50 fee will apply to anyone who lends their vehicle out fewer than 12 times a year. Clearly, all of us are going to be paying a lot more for auto insurance. David Eby is telling us we're going to save money. Don't hold your breath. Your fees are going up, and they're basically flat fees rather than risk-related fees. ICBC now insures more than 2.4 million passenger vehicles. So if everyone bought the unlisted driver protection, it would put $120 million into the insurance corporation's coffers. All of it is revenue neutral. ICBC will not be taking any more money. And what if that friend crashes your car and you don't have unlisted driver protection? It could cost you thousands more, leaving critics to conclude that ICBC really isn't giving motorists a choice. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Two more schools at high risk of crumbling if the big one ever hits will soon be getting some much-needed seismic upgrades. Nadia Stewart has more on which schools are up next and how it will impact students. Nadia. General Wolf and Edith Cavell Elementary Schools are now set to be seismically upgraded. One school is over 100 years old. The other isn't too far behind. It'll cost more than $35 million to fix up the schools. Both of them have been on the province's list to be renovated for some time. Under the NDP government, there have been half a dozen seismic upgrade announcements with all of the schools rated as high risk in the event of an earthquake. Minister of Education Rob Fleming says the repairs are long overdue. If the previous government had moved as quickly as we uh, we have, we wouldn't have any seismic projects remaining uh, in, in Vancouver. So they only did 25 in 13 years. We've done six in one year. It's been a long road and it's been too long. But now that these two schools are moving forward, we hope that some more will come forward in the next few months, in the next few years. So we won't let up until every single student in Vancouver is in a safe school. Construction on both schools is set to begin in spring 2020. They should be ready for students to move in by the fall of 2021. During construction, students will still have classes. They'll be shuffled between three area schools. So far, 178 of the province's 347 high-risk schools have been upgraded. So still quite a ways to go on that list. Back to you. Sounds like it. Thanks, Nadia. 
Turning to municipal elections now, less than a month away, and tonight we look at the North Shore, where all three of the incumbent mayors are leaving their posts. As Ted Chernecki reports, congestion will be the key issue facing candidates in the region. Delays right back into West Vancouver. So what's driving all the congestion on the North Shore? Because it's not population growth. In fact, West Van is declining in population and growth in North Van District is small by comparison to Surrey, where about a thousand new residents arrive every month. It isn't hard to imagine what the number one election issue is. Definitely the number one issue is public transit, and uh, that outshines all of the others. Well, the population on the North Shore isn't growing very much. It is in places like Squamish and Pemberton, at the super ferries unloading, and on top of all that, the many, many workers who now commute to the North Shore from their more affordable housing in the Fraser Valley. People can't afford to live here anymore. There's more people coming onto the North Shore in the morning than leaving. So they come here to work, and then they leave in the afternoon, and it adds to the traffic congestion. Some of the candidates running to replace Daryl Mosado blame him specifically for being too pro-development and not paying enough attention to infrastructure. We've basically had 15 years of no increases in public transportation. It was inevitable this was going to happen whether we did any building in the city or not. It's also inevitable that there's a question about a third crossing connecting Deep Cove to Balcarra, a distance half as long as the Lionsgate Bridge. We want people to get out of their cars and take public transit. Uh, there's not an appetite for third crossing. And we're uh, very keen for public investment in public transit. Good luck to whoever gets elected because the North Shore has the unenviable situation where it has a traffic nightmare, but not an exploding population base to help argue for better infrastructure. Ted Chernacki, Global News. And for more on what North Shore municipal candidates have to say on the issues of transportation and affordability, go to our website, globalnews.ca slash BC. Now, when it comes to the way we vote, BC residents are split three ways on whether to change the system. According to a new poll from the Angus Reid Institute, 31% say they would vote to keep the current first-past-the-post system, 33% would choose a proportional representation system, and 33% are under decided. The referendum takes place from October 22nd to November 30th via mail-in ballot. The B.C. government just announced phase two of its probe into money laundering, shifting the focus from casinos to real estate. But there are still plenty of questions about the role casinos played in the phenomenon. John Waugh tries to uncover how places like the River Rock Casino in Richmond could have become unwitting laundromats for dirty money. That's right, a global news investigation has uncovered hundreds of documents that show the River Rock Casino was investigated in September of 2017, after it was alleged that someone tried to make a third-party $200,000 cash buy-in for a VIP gambler that was already banned. While it has been reported that a River Rock VIP director was deregistered as a result, documents show the investigation looked into the entire site including other VIP service staff and allegations that forms required in the transaction may have been falsified or filed after the fact, although that was not confirmed in the documents. The former anti-money laundering director for BC Lottery Corporation says there was much more to the story than just one key employee, none of which made the German report on casinos. That incident um, was not necessarily reflected uh, in the German report. I must admit I was a little surprised and somewhat disappointed at certain sections of the report where that sort of key information was lacking. Great Canadian, which owns the River Rock, said it is not aware of any allegations about falsified reports and operates in strict compliance with all laws and regulations. 
But one person who might be able to offer further insight is the chair of the Corporate Compliance and Security Committee at Great Canadian. That person is former Vancouver Mayor, now Canadian Senator Larry Campbell, who has chaired that committee since 2015 and served on the Board of Directors since 2008. Global News made several requests for an interview with Campbell when approached outside Senate chambers and asked about money laundering at casinos. This was his answer. I have no idea what you're talking about. Thank you. Critics say while there are no rules against senators serving on private boards, Campbell has a higher duty to provide answers to the public about what happened under his watch at Great Canadian. There's serious questions about uh, what they were doing internally and uh, questions about whether the directors, the executives and the corporation itself are liable for, for these activities. Conacher has asked the Senate ethics officer to investigate. Global News has since made additional requests to Campbell and Great Canadian for an on-camera interview with the senator, but those were unanswered or denied. Right now, though, the drama over the confirmation of U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh reached a new level today. In a surprise move, Senate Republican leaders have agreed to delay the final vote to allow the FBI to investigate allegations of sexual misconduct. Tonight, Brett Kavanaugh's roller coaster confirmation battle taking another stunning turn. Senate Republicans abruptly reversing course, now calling for a new FBI background investigation limited to current credible allegations against Kavanaugh to be completed no later than one week from today. A move Democrats have been demanding for days. Republicans finally pressured to give in by one of their own. This country's being ripped apart here, and, and we've got to make sure that we do due diligence. The drama kicking off this morning with Arizona Senator Jeff Flake, a crucial swing vote, announcing he was a yes on Kavanaugh. But on his way to vote, confronted in the elevator by two women, accusing him of dismissing the pain of sexual assault survivors. Look at me when I'm talking to you. You're telling me that my assault doesn't matter. That what happened to me doesn't matter. And that you're going to let people who do these things into power. Meanwhile, inside that hearing, senators clashing. Several Democrats storming out of the room. I don't think we protected the innocent very well yesterday, and I certainly don't think that we're doing it today. This has never been about the truth. This has been about delay and destruction. And if we reward this, it is the end of good people wanting to be judges. But then delay and confusion. Flake disappearing, huddling privately with his friend Democrat Chris Coons before Flake's stunning change of heart. But I do think that we can uh, have a short pause and, and make sure that the FBI can investigate. Minutes later, the president asked about the Senate deal and Thursday's emotional hearing. I thought her testimony was very compelling, and she looks like a very fine woman to me. Very fine woman. And I thought that Brett's testimony, likewise, was really something uh, that I haven't seen before. It was incredible. You thought it all about the replacement for Judge Kavanaugh? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Tonight, other crucial undecided senators have signed on to the delay for the FBI background investigation. I think it was a good step today. Christine Blasey Ford's lawyer also praising the move, but arguing no artificial limits as to time or scope should be imposed on this investigation. 
Late tonight, Kavanaugh, who has denied all the allegations, responding, noting he's been interviewed by the FBI and under oath by the Senate, writing, I've done everything they've requested and will continue to cooperate. Peter Alexander, NBC News, the Capitol. An international research project into the future of killer whales, which included Canadian scientists, has come to a troubling conclusion. The study says orcas could disappear entirely from some regions within 50 years, and it points to a chemical that's been around for decades as the main culprit. At the OceanWise lab in West Vancouver, toxicologist Dr. Marie Noel studies contaminants in marine mammals. In the claws of Arctic ring seals, she measures mercury levels. Mercury is everywhere, uh, so you find it, uh, you, we find it in fish off this coast, we find it in the Arctic, and basically they get it through the diet. Mercury is only one of hundreds of thousands of chemicals that find their way from land to the sea. The granddaddy of them all and worst offender are PCBs. It was heavily used after the Second World War um, and it was used in like electrical equipment to kind of like prevent uh, fire. PCBs were banned in the 1970s, but the problem didn't end there. These chemicals, once released into the environment, don't break down, they persist, uh, they get into food webs. PCBs are stored in the fat of animals where they accumulate. The higher the animal is up the food chain, the higher the concentration. Killer whales off our coast are among the most contaminated in the world. But a Danish report that drew heavily on local studies concludes they are not alone. We now know that with uh, an increasing number of studies in Europe uh, and in the States and elsewhere, that killer whales face some of the same threats in different parts of the world. Unique populations of killer whales can be found around the globe. Some have higher PCB levels than others, but all face similar threats because of it. It affects your immune system, which is going to make you more susceptible to disease. They can also render animals unable to reproduce. Combined with other existing threats, the study's conclusion is grim. PCBs are likely to create a threat that is, is going to linger, and in the case of some populations, could contribute to their uh, extinction. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, the Vancouver Aquarium is releasing some shamelessly cute video to mark the last days of its Sea Otter Awareness Week. The aquarium's six rescued otters being treated to their favorite snack, sea urchin. The aquarium says unlike many other marine mammals, sea otters have no body fat for insulation. They rely on their dense fur and their high metabolism for warmth, spending a third of their day eating up to 25% of their body weight. That sounds like a great day, doesn't it? <laughs> It really does. It costs the aquarium about $35,000 a year to feed each otter. It's like a teenage boy, right? Jealous, jealous of sea otters <laughs> and their diet. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. That white line across the screen with its thundering roar is a three-meter high tsunami heading for the coast of Indonesia. 
A few seconds later, the huge wave crashes onto shore, sweeping away everything in its path. And yes, Indonesia is reeling yet again from another natural disaster with rescue crews searching for entire families. Two powerful earthquakes rocked the island of Sulawesi, triggering that tsunami that swept away houses in at least two cities. A terrifying massive wall of water smashed over this Indonesian island city. Waves some 10 feet tall, residents crying out, running for their lives. The tsunami surging ashore just after officials had lifted a warning, apparently not expecting such danger. First came the massive 7.5 magnitude quake, striking in the early evening on the island of Sulawesi, the epicenter near a city of some 300,000 residents. These pictures posted by a government official show a bridge before and after. Hospitals moved outside to more safely care for the injured. Buildings collapsed or swept away. Reports of entire families missing. The region is part of the so-called Ring of Fire around the Pacific Ocean. Most of the world's earthquakes happen there. Now, emergency crews stepping up search and rescue at first light in wake of multiple disasters. Ron Allen, NBC News. It's already being called the miracle of Micronesia. 47 passengers and crews surviving the watery crash of a passenger jet. I thought we landed hard until I looked over and saw a hole in the side of the plane and water was coming in. And I thought, well, I said, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. The Boeing 737 was trying to land on an island in the Micronesia archipelago when it somehow missed the runway and landed in a lagoon. Passengers waded through waist-deep water to get to the emergency exits, where they found a flotilla of local boats that had scrambled to rescue them. Some passengers suffered broken bones and other injuries, but there were no fatalities. Caught on video, the dramatic takedown of seven men suspected of plotting a large-scale terror attack. It unfolded in the Netherlands. Heavily armed police arresting the men in the towns of Arnhem, about 100 kilometers south of Amsterdam, and Weert, close to the borders of Germany and Belgium. The suspects allegedly wanted to use bomb vests and assault rifles to do harm at an event. They also allegedly planned to detonate a car bomb at another location. Prosecutors say the suspects range in age from 21 to 34. It was the news that struck fear into the hearts of tens of millions of people. A huge security breach at Facebook. The social media giant saying hackers got access to the accounts of nearly 50 million users and possibly access to apps they signed on to via Facebook. Facebook says it has fixed the problem and there's no evidence account information has been misused, but police are investigating. Affected users are getting notifications in their news feed about the breach and if they have been logged out of their account, they will now have to sign back in. Well, in health matters, the next time you're in the hospital, whether as a patient or as a visitor, you might want to keep your hands off those privacy curtains. Researchers tested freshly laundered curtains in a Winnipeg hospital over a period of 21 days. They found that by day 14, more than 87% tested positive for the drug-resistant MRSA bacteria. More surprising, none of the rooms were actually occupied by patients with MRSA suggesting the bacteria is transferred from other parts of the hospital. The study, of course, suggests more frequent cleaning of the curtains. 
A BC woman is about to set sail on an epic journey that went sideways the last time she tried. As Kylie Stanton reports, she's taking another shot at sailing around the world all by herself and setting a record many younger sailors will envy. This is my boat in the rider. Coming aboard feels like home. Very reliable. She's my teammate. Jan Socrates knows every inch of this 38-foot sailboat, every rope, every piece of gear. We've got the wind generator here. Now all in working order as she prepares to set out on an epic journey, circumnavigating the globe. I'm starting Victoria. I won't stop or do anything until I get back again, non-stop, solo, unassisted. Completing it successfully would mean breaking a world record, making the 76-year-old grandmother the oldest person to have ever done it. But this isn't her first attempt. Well, I'm already the oldest woman. In 2013, Socrates accomplished the goal, completing the journey in 259 days. Good to see you. But she was only 70 then, a few months shy of the 71-year-old Japanese man who holds the world record for oldest person. She's made two attempts since, but both trips were cut short when the sailboat was damaged in rough seas. That was pretty ho horrible, yeah. A non-stop means just that. If you pulled in somewhere, you've got to go back to your start. It's, uh, it's just trashed. But that coveted title, oldest person, always in the back of her mind. And someone said to me, well, you know, if you go around again, you know, you become the oldest person, or as I put it, make the oldest person into a woman. Now she's making her final preparations. Still got quite a few things to do. But a year's worth of food is packed, the communication system is in place. Just seal this hatch, actually. And her boat is in top condition. She hopes to set sail next Wednesday. What a beautiful day. And if all goes as planned, she won't set foot on land again until she arrives back here at least seven months from now. You know, my, my motto is life is precious, make the most of it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Best of luck to her. Well, you've never seen a building like this before. What it is and where to find it right after the forecast. Check in with uh, Christy right now. Another one of, one of those beautiful summer evenings, except it's fall. I know. It's oh. amazing, though. Today so it was even warmer than it was yesterday. We were expecting a bit of haze like we saw yesterday, but that nicely cleared today, and we saw blue sky all day long, a little bit of a spider web there to show us that, yes, it is still fall. We're changing over into October on Monday. Here's a look at those temperatures. 19, 20 degrees near the water, just further inland. Burnaby and Coquitlam at 23. Look at Pitt Meadows, though. Langley and Aldergrove all hitting 26 degrees, and the hot spot across Canada was in in Squamish at 26.5 degrees. The interior region's not quite as hot, but these are still pleasant conditions, 19 to 21 degrees expect are there today. Now, as we head into the first Monday, we are still talking about the uh, winter driving regulations going into effect, and we have snow in the forecast for the mountain passes this weekend. I'll show you that in a sec, but it means that you need to have winter tires or um, uh, all-season tires, and if you have a truck, you need to be carrying trains. Designated routes, I think Includes routes on Vancouver Island, including the Malahat and the Sea to Sky Highway and anywhere east of Chilliwack. Also, basically all mountain highways across southern BC and northern BC as well. You can check me out on Twitter. I've got all of these maps in place there, and you can have a look at those exact highways uh, if you want to have a closer look. This is tomorrow evening, everyone, so increasing cloud later tomorrow. It's not going to be nearly as warm as it was today. Chance of showers for the lower mainland, and it's that moisture that will bring in the possibility of snowfall for the connector 
This is Saturday night into Sunday morning. That's when the freezing levels will drop to about 1,500 meters. And that's why it's mainly the connector that will be affected. But keep that in mind. As we head into October, that chance of snow over higher mountain passes will continue to be the case. Across the north, a clearing trend. Terrific conditions for you this weekend. Across the south, though, a change. Later tomorrow, increasing cloud and showers. Mostly dry across the south coast. But by the evening, that's when we will see the showers. And those showers will continue Sunday and Monday with much cooler conditions. And I wanted to show you this really cool, cute shot from Forest Grove. Like mother, like daughter. Oh, yeah, little copycat there. It was like a National, uh, National Daughter's Day recently, so it's very fitting. Perfect. Well Makes done. Thanks, Thanks, Christy. Well, a groundbreaking ceremony today for what's billed as the next major landmark in Las Vegas. Take a look. It's a giant sphere. Fear that will actually be an arena that will seat more than 18,000 people. The sphere will be more than 100 meters tall and 150 meters wide with a 15,000 square meter screen wrapped around the entire structure. Both the inside and outside can be customized with ultra high def images. It's expected to open in the year 2021. Full meal deal with uh, Squire Barnes right now in sports. Yes. Oh, is there food? Soup, salad, main course, <laughs> okay. second course, third I course, and dessert. You know what? Just have the salad. That's all you need. Uh, the players are the same, but the man leading them will be different. Tomorrow, when the Whitecaps play the Galaxy, Carl Robinson's role is now being played by longtime Caps youth coach Craig Dalrymple, who is the temp for the last five games of the regular season, and, of course, any playoff games should the Whitecaps make the postseason. It's a change neither he nor the players expected, but one, of course, they all have to deal with without much time to get used to each other. Interim coach Craig Dalrymple's had just a couple of days to get the Whitecaps players focused back on what's important, and that is to somehow put the emotional firing of Carl Robinson behind them and go on a big run in the next month to slingshot themselves into the MLS playoffs. They have a choice to make. Yeah, and I think they are. Um, everything I've heard has been really positive. They've, they, their reflection has been accurate, I believe, um, and they're willing to put solutions in place. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really confident the group is, is in a good place at this point, considering the week they've had. This is kind of where it shows who you really are. You know, we have five games left to fight for this club, to fight for the city, and fight for each other and, you know, individually as well. The Whitecaps had a special guest at training Friday, freshly minted NBA Hall of Famer and minority owner Steve Nash, who went through a coaching change or two in his 18-year pro career. It's important for the guys to show their character, um, to fight, to, to push each other, at the same time support each other and show what kind of steel they have. It's, uh, it's all to be played for still, so it would be great if they can you know, come together under a little bit of adversity and build something. That's the plan. Dalrymple's not going to make drastic technical changes at this stage in the season. It's really all about the will to win, and he's put the onus squarely on the players. It's your chance now to, to, to right some wrongs that you think are there, and, and, that's, and that's, let's get this going in a better direction. You know, they've come in, they're, they're very serious. They do believe that we can make the playoffs, which is good. They're not just kind of packing it in saying, you know, we're just here to be here. They, they want to help us. And, you know, I respect that. And, um, you know, we have five games, so we can see what we can do. Canucks final exhibition game tomorrow in Kelowna against the Coyotes. 
They still have to send a couple of guys down to the minors. I think Darren Archibald will likely be one of them. The other, well, that really depends if they want to keep eight defensemen here or not. If it's eight, that means Alex Biega stays. And if that happens, maybe Tyler Mott, Brendan Leipzig, or Nikolai Goldobin will go down. The only rookie on the team will be Elias Pettersson. That's no surprise. The other young players weren't quite ready, according to head coach Travis Green, who uses his own playing career as a model for making such decisions. Go back on lots of different moments in my career with different players. Uh, I had a conversation with a player just recently about not, you know, I thought I was ready when I was a rookie. And I actually remember thinking it and vividly and looking back and, I mean, it took me another two and a half years to get there. And, and I do know that if I had played when I thought I was ready, I wouldn't have played in the NHL for very long, for sure. The Lions get another game against the Ticats tomorrow, except this one's in Hamilton. BC won last week with that improbable comeback and overtime win after most of the fans had left, figuring they were going to lose. Oddsmakers have the Ticats as seven-point favorites at home, but the Lions have won three straight. Mind you, BC is one and five on the road. Ryder Cup day one in France. There's Tiger. He was paired up with Patrick Reed in the morning session. In the last few weeks of the season, so. Nice tee shot in the third here for Tiger. But he and Reed lost to Tommy Fleetwood and Francesco Molinari. That was the only loss for the USA in the morning. The Americans got three out of four points in the morning session. Tony Finau on the 17th gets a bit lucky here. Watch this one bounce off the railway tie. Is it enough? Safe. Wow, made birdie, won the hole. Afternoon was alternate shot, and the Europeans dominated. Rory McIlroy, that's a bad stance, but that's a great shot. Just to keep the balance right, he had to take it out. Recovered to about 15 feet. So, partner, Ian Poulter, your turn. Poulter might get a little amped. Count it. Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson, rough day. They were down seven through nine holes. Whoa, DeChambeau, chunking the chips. Americans lost all four alternate shot matches, so going into Saturday, the Europeans are up five, three. There you go. Oh, what's oh wait a minute. Go. These are the games tonight with the BC teams. The Kootenai-Spokane game is scoreless in the first period. Now. There you go. Thank you, Squire. You're quite welcome. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, Squire. Well, the Surrey Eagles have a special tribute happening tonight when they take the ice. And Drua has a preview of what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. And that's right. A special ceremony is underway at the South Surrey Arena at this hour as the Surrey Eagles honour former teammate Jackson Joseph. Joseph was one of the 16 people killed back in April when the Humboldt Broncos team bus collided with a semi-truck in Saskatchewan. Joseph had played with the Surrey Eagles during the 2015-2016 season and this evening the team is retiring his jersey number and wake up surrey has made an official complaint with the rcmp and elections bc over election fraud in surrey we'll tell you what organizers of the anti-crime group are alleging that's all coming up tonight when you join us at 11 o'clock sophie chris all right thanks ann squires back after a break with satellite debris but first here's kasha badurka with five things to do this weekend kasha 
Yeah, happy weekend, everyone. I've got a mix of old favorites and new events. But first, if you're hoping to get away soon, you'll want to drop by the Vancouver International Travel Expo. Browse over 250 exhibits, compare to get the best deal, check out the presentations, and you never know, you may win a vacay with over $50,000 in travel prizes. Harvest Glow is a new fall festival in Langley that'll have you strolling and playing under the twinkle of half a million lights. Their playgrounds will entertain the kids for hours and the illuminated backdrop will be perfect for photo taking. Treat the wee ones to a fun and interactive show. Music with Marnie will not only have your babies, toddlers and preschoolers dancing, chances are you'll get into the fun yourself as the award-winning entertainers take the stage at Mount Pleasant Community Centre in Vancouver. As a part of Culture Days this weekend, a celebration of arts and culture across the country, Port Moody is putting on a scavenger hunt. Follow the clues through the city and find historical sites, public art, and increase your eco-knowledge while you're at it. One of BC's favorite indie markets is back this weekend in Squamish, a place to find some new gems for your wardrobe, home decor, and your appetite. Join the over 3,000 market goers and meet over 100 artists and makers of fine local products. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And how does woodchuck cider get its name? That's how we start satellite debris. Here we go. I like it. Hello! Help! Hello! My cider cart fell on me! Hey, woodchuck. You can knock me free, huh? Oh, you can come live in a nice big house with me. You like peanuts? There you go. Fine. What if I name my new hard cider after you, huh? <laughs> so the woodchuck gnaws the wagon and saves the cider master's life. And that's why it's called woodchuck cider. No, come on, that is not why it's called woodchuck. That's what I heard. It's not the name that matters. It's where your cider comes from. Woodchuck. Even okay. that part's funny. Well, so I saw this, and uh, I, I don't know if it's in Turkey or Dubai. I forgot. But anyway, mm -hmm. it's a, a Turkish man who is an ice cream vendor. But if you go to his stand, you just don't get your ice cream. You get this show he puts on as well. Here we go. Vanilla. <laughs> Yes, Albert! Vanilla here! Yeah, Lance, sit here! Hey! Yes! Ice cream! Come again! <laughs> yeah, after a while, it's like, okay, enough of the show, no. buddy. I just want to see it. It's going to melt. <laughs> all right. Um, last but not least, I, I just like this ad because you get to see all sorts of furry friends and friends with feathers from BBC One from a couple of years ago. Here you we can't go. go wrong with that.
I see trees of green. Red roses, too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, bright blessed days, dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of a rainbow, so pretty in the sky are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. Much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Quite simply wonderful. And of course, um, that last shot was actually the guys in these chimps. Oh, was it like those guys who dress up as the pandas in Japan? And yeah, kind of like right. that. Yeah. Train the zookeepers. That's right. Uh, yes, exactly. Those guys. Yeah, yeah. David exactly. Attenborough, you could, you could listen to him read the phone book. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah just true. hand your license over to him and let him read it. It'd yeah, be great. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, beautiful evening out there right now. But yeah. There is a change coming, it sounds like, tomorrow night. Hey? Yeah, I think you can expect to wake up to sunshine. But by the afternoon, the cloud will move in pretty quickly. And so the temperatures won't warm up nearly as much as we saw today. So... Pitt Meadows hit 26 degrees today, for example, and 17 tomorrow, and then only 14 on Sunday. So, yeah, pull out the sweaters again, everyone. The rain jackets, you're going to need them at least by Sunday and then through the beginning part of next week. So, hmm. Why didn't we all come into work today again? I know. We should have played <laughs> hooky. Day. Today was the day. I on, on my way to work, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I've... My office doesn't have any windows. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm you're like, stuck up there in the dark. I was like, how do I leave this? We'll, like, we'll send you a picture of the yeah. sun in your email. You can put it on your desktop. It's a good thing. I really <laughs> like you guys at my job. It's gone now, isn't it? Well, enjoy the weekend, folks. Thanks for watching. Good night.